Boom, put boom, 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 I was like, we just did bed knobs and broomsticks last week. So, I mean, I guess it fits. I'm just going to have to make up a true crime because I didn't realize we were switching sides. Fine. I was just like, I'll just tell this. I'll just tell the story of the usual suspects with changing the names and no one will know. It'll be great. Oh my gosh. How's it going? So, Adam? this guy, Myler Kose, he walks with a limp on his left side. On its left side, yeah, yeah. You don't, you, you don't, uh, Mr. Uh, Germel Gint was. Uh, <laughs> oh my gosh. How's your week been? It's, it's been very, it's been good. It's been weird. It's been up. It's been down. Uh, I am blessed to have an 18 year old, uh, oldest child now, mm-hmm. uh, which that is, a, is an amazing milestone that really doesn't mean a whole lot in reality. Um, it's a big deal, because, though. Like, I mean, it is, but also like it doesn't mean that much to the parent. It's not like suddenly all that much changes, but I just feel so much older that I have like a legal adult as an yeah. offspring now. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But it, but it's been a really good week. We got we got to to, to hang out a couple times and uh, do some shopping, and it is full on fall here in Minnesota. So uh, I've been going out way less, which is both good for uh, my TV watching and my pocketbook. Uh, other than delivery, I still get a lot of delivery. But, uh, <laughs> it's been it's been really it's been a good work week, a lot of work, uh, a lot of TV, and I am super excited that uh, in about thirteen hours, I will be taking my first uh, like full on train trip. Like I ride the bus all the time, like the light rail in town, but I'm taking Amtrak for the first time tomorrow. So I'm very. Oh, excited. where are you going? I'm going to central Wisconsin to visit my parents with uh, all of my offspring. And we're going to do the whole end of fall, close up the, the lake place so they can head back to uh, the sunny Arizona weather instead. And the hot hope was it'd still be like decent out, but it's going to be like 20 degrees. So we will not be going out on the lake. Uh, probably won't even uh, try a bonfire because uh, that's just a little too cold. But excited to get us for a couple of days. And uh, I am both apprehensive given my recent uh, travel experiences where the bus trip was not so good. The plane <laughs> trip went just fine. So there are very like two very different options here. And now I'm kind of in the variable. middle, like how is this going to go? Yeah, and I, I'm cautiously optimistic. I have heard... Uh, I've been cautioned by some some friends in the past who have gone this route on the train that the tracks are shared with many businesses. And so sometimes if there is a delay with the business or if they need to get through or something doesn't go fast enough or it's a longer train than they expected, that the passenger train is always the one that has to stop and wait. Oh, uh, so okay. I'm I'm very curious to see how that goes. We're not going far. It's like a three and a half hour, you know, type of journey. Mm-hmm. So I'm also curious how that's going to be like, because, you know, I spent way longer in the bus. And this, again, I don't want to be confused by the pictures because I was, I was sold a bill of goods by Greyhound. Uh, but it's, I don't think Amtrak has as many, uh, you know, partners 
And I, I hope we're not going to be stopping at any like fast food restaurants as a station. So <laughs> I'm very excited about how it's going to go. Maybe it'll be like Bullet Train with Brad Pitt. Have you seen that? I have not. I've heard really good things about it. I also have been dying to watch the, the new uh, version of um, uh, Murder on the Nile, mm -hmm. uh, which you know was a sequel to uh, Murder on the Orient Express. Those are both out and transportation mode. So maybe by next week, maybe next week I will be, uh, I will give a breakdown of one of those because there will definitely, if it's as cold as it is at the lake, we may have a, a movie night. So those would be very apropos. Those would be very, very much so. Um, so is tonight, as we record on a Wednesday, is tonight the season finale of She-Hulk? I uh, know it was, it was last week, last oh. Thursday. Oh, because I got an email yeah. from Apple or from Disney, and I was like, "It says, oh, it's it's saying stream the season finale." But I was thinking it was tonight. Okay. Yeah. No, it was it was last Thursday. I really I enjoyed what they did. They did not do what I was afraid of, where they were going to take things too seriously. They set That's us up right. for it. That's right. That's uh, right. And it it, it, was, it was well done. Uh, and then because that was done, I also saw the the finale of the rings of power and they did do what i was afraid they were going to do and i think it's fine because most people like i wanted the mystery of who sauron was and who gandalf was and like who all these characters were and how we knew them to like get played out over a longer story mm -hmm. but i'm pretty sure most people didn't want to wait like a year and a half to figure that out so they had to give them something so right I understand why they did it but i'm, I'm more excited about where it goes in season two so uh hopefully she all gets another season. I, I'm starting to wonder if Marvel is not going to necessarily involve every single story in the big picture. Mm -hmm. Where like every Marvel movie before definitely led to Avengers, you know, Avengers Age of Ultron, and then of course, you know, Infinity War, and you know all of that. But I'm wondering if now with all these shows, they're just going to let some stuff be just go you yeah. know just be, be its own thing and that's totally cool i did however I did, did we talk i'm trying to remember my my timeline correct uh did did i talk about the uh werewolf by night special movie i don't believe so okay i think i watched that like last like after our last recording because that was really really good and scary and gory but I could watch it because it was a black and white because my brain doesn't like take, it take black and white seriously. a different way. Yeah. Or yeah, it's, it's so clearly different, uh, but the story was just so well done. And I honestly was very excited about that to be a lead into maybe the blade movie or the black Knight movie, or even just doing this whole, you know, monster universe on its own like the uh you know the tom cruise um mummy movie was supposed to launch the monsters universe the dark universe it was going to be you know month uh the mummy and frankenstein and werewolf you know like all these classic horror villains mm -hmm. uh horror movie characters and just bomb this kind of feels like they did that but instead of trying to make it about big stars and blockbusters they're going to do it in a very like fun almost economical way mm -hmm. not like cheap but you know not over the top and and you know not hedge their bets whether it's got to be like a you know billion dollar movie to break even uh and it was just 
it was really well done. It was super interesting. It was scary and jump surprises. And then like more characters that I actually cared about than probably the last three mainstream Marvel movies, uh, which is kind of sad to say, but like I never got invested in the Eternals characters. I didn't really feel any jeopardy for most of the people in Thor Love and Thunder uh, or Doctor Strange, but this one like cared about the characters and I was worried about who was going to uh, So that was pretty great. And then I also had been holding off because I was already watching so many things weekly with, as well with, you know, my rewatch of, uh, of uh, White Collar and Bones and also doing the NCIS stuff, which I've kind of liked the way they've gone this season. It's definitely way more of an ensemble show and it was going that way last year, but they kept going and I like that. Uh, but I was like, I can't, I can't add another weekly show. So I'm going to wait to binge as much as possible was the Andor series, uh, the Star Wars story of Cassie and Andor sort of prequel to Rogue One. And honestly, I Rogue One is probably the best new Star Wars property of the last like eight years since they got relaunched. Mm-hmm. This one might be number two. It's really well done. It's I want to see more Star Wars characters where I don't have to worry about Jedi and Sith. Like there's a whole, you know, for a lack of a better term, a whole universe out there of characters that aren't, you know, wielding lightsabers. And it's to me, that is a really interesting tack to go and it's really well done and i that's not done yet but i'm very excited to see where it goes uh, tomorrow in the next episode well speaking of shows that even though you say you're not binging anymore i am going to start binging something because season three of love is blind has dropped the first four episodes are out so guess what i'll be doing later dang that three already yeah so the first one of course dropped during the pandemic and then it was uh almost a full year when the second season dropped and i i want to say it's been close to a year because i was here in lincoln when the second season dropped yeah i feel like it was winterish though that's why i'm saying i I don't think it's been a full year but i think it's been almost a year wow i mean i guess it's it's a different the the big gap between the first season and the second season probably had more to do with you know, um, COVID, COVID, and then you know, you know, shut down of all that stuff. Yeah. So, so, so it says the new episode. Okay, wait, hold on. I'm, I'm. There's already okay. There's four episodes out, and the new one is on the 26th. Yeah. Oh, so wow. they dropped the four episodes, and they're going to drop three next week, and then they're going to drop three more, and then one, which means there's eleven, which I think is a little bit more than typical it feels like a lot normally it's 10 episodes and this one's 11 so 11 might be the reunion oh yeah they do love those reunion shows yeah so february oh it was february of this year that season two came out so yeah yeah so they were like all right let's get on it let's get on it so um and then like two weeks ago they did like a little love is blind after the altar uh, with an update and well spoiler alert none of the couples are together uh, well i mean statistically you know 50 percent of couples end anyway or it's got to probably be higher than that right now if you're even talking about that's married couples yeah so i mean i don't think it should be that shocking that a bunch of people that were maybe in it for the fame <laughs> aren't together anymore although you what, what did you 
we talked about this last week that couple on married at first sight yeah yeah it's Uh still going strong so it does happen and then the very there are a couple from two couples actually from the very first season lauren and cam and amber and barnett i know for a fact lauren and cam are still together i believe uh, amber and barnett are still together i haven't heard any news of them splitting you know of course that would be all over so yeah but that that was the one where you were like i know that she really is really into him and i think he's really into her yeah their backgrounds and like lifestyles are so diametrically opposed so like when they started different. when they tried to begin to meld their lives it was like oh so where do you live <laughs> she's mentioning other people's couches yes that was them so i believe they're still together and maybe that's maybe it's the whole opposites attract thing and that's why they're working but anyway so I will, of course, keep you posted next week about how um, the new season, how do I feel about it? I feel like I have to take each season as its own. Like, yes, it's love is blind, but nothing's going to compare to the very first season because it was brand new. There has been nothing like it before. So, um, but I am, I'm interested to see how it goes. And it was also, it felt like it was the perfect time. Yeah. We were all locked inside. And so it mirrored reality in this weird way that I don't think they expected. Yeah. Yeah. Because we couldn't go out and see anybody. So we're all kind of doing this, even with our like friends and family where we're having zoom meetups for Mm -hmm. like happy hour, playing Jackbox games. And all of a sudden this dating show is like, kind of felt like we were in it at the same time. So it's one of those fun, like moments in pop culture history that just the timing was right. Yeah. So We'll see. I'll keep you posted. But aside from that, I think it's just been my typical shows. The Rookie. Love that show. Oh, love that show so much. Um, now there's The Rookie Fed. And then, oh, The Patient. There's only one more episode of that. Uh, next week will be the last episode of The Patient with Steve Carell and uh, Domhnall Gleeson. Domhnall? Uh, Domhnall? Um, oh, oh, this is fun. So, of course, I love Big Sky. Mm. Reba is on Big Sky. And I think I told you that I like tweeted it about her and she liked my tweet which was like that's exciting well (laughs) Darius Rucker is going to be on Big Sky um of course you know Hootie and the Blowfish and now Darius is crossing over the country and then Lyle Lovett who was married to Julia Roberts for a while country singer as well he's going to be on Big Sky and then another country singer Jimmy Allen who was on Dancing was he was he on Dancing with the Stars I think he was on Dancing with the Stars. Mom said he was on Dancing with the Stars. He's going to be on the Connors. I'll, I'll believe it. Uh, I I think at this point, when we say Darius Rucker and we feel the need to talk about Hootie the Blowfish, I think he's been a country artist longer than he was a Hootie and the Blowfish. I, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> so that so that that might be one of those moments where I don't. I think the kids call it aging yourself. Oh yeah. Well, if they watch Friends. They know. Hootie and the Blowfish. They reference him on a Friends episode. This is true. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I love Hootie and the Blowfish. So get Crack Review is probably in my you know, top 30 most played albums and Scattered Smothered and, and something else. Scattered Smothered and Covered. They're, they released this album of all the songs that they played when they were just a bar band. They were all like cover songs. So much fun. But I, I love cover songs as well. But just as a, as a rule. But yeah, it's, he's probably been Darius Rucker longer than he's been a Hootie. <laughs> don't call him hootie he doesn't like that <laughs> can you imagine if everybody was like angela lansbury star of the movie gaslight has passed away everyone would be like yeah but but 
Wasn't she that other thing that like, we all know about? <laughs> oh, man. So this week is episode 113, Adam. Which uh, we both thought was going to be 112. So at least totally twice did. in the last five minutes, I have stopped myself from segueing into my uh, A-side because the A-side comes second in episode 113. And even though all day long I was planning like quippy uh, segues, I'm now going to have to figure out something that goes with, hey, so that guy died. Hey, hey, and there was crime. Um, real quick, last week we mentioned that there was an active serial killer in California. He has been caught. Um, there were some tips that came into police to lead them to the suspect. The suspect, um, they, they did like um, um, a sting operation where they followed the suspect for several hours. And they said that he appeared to be on the hunt for another victim, Ooh. but they were able to make an arrest. So hopefully they've got the right guy and these murders stop. I, I'm... I like it shouldn't shock me like it almost feels like there are so many people out there that are tuned into true crime right now that like you have so many amateur detectives out there that mm -hmm. maybe things would do people would find stuff to help with and then and not to to steal from the start of the b-side here but uh, I did want to mention this because I thought about us when it happened I was watching an episode of bones from like season three or four so like 12 13 years ago pre like podcast boom and they're on a, you know, it's very much the sort of a murder on a train uh, style trip. They're on an airplane that's on its way from D.C. to Beijing. Mm -hmm. But there are two little old ladies who are, who are mystery novel nuts who are helping throughout the investigation. And I'm like, <laughs> this entire episode could be the same right now and just pretend that they have a, like a true crime podcast because they're like asking questions the entire time. And it was so surreal because I'm like, this is, these are just true crime fans, oh. true crime podcast fans, but it's like five years before podcasts were existing. And so they're just book club people. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. <laughs> the, uh, the overlap there. And I immediately thought, I was like, I got to talk about this. <laughs> Oh, man. All right. Are you ready for the B-side? Yes, I, I'm stealing my my heart and my gullet and my stomach. So You should. I can you absolutely 100% should. I always do, but I just, I don't know. I got a feeling it's October. Things get a little scarier, so I'm ready, as I'm going to be. So last week, Adam, we talked about the Italian serial killer, Leonardo Cianciuli, who made her victims into tea cakes. And then fed them to her guests. Well, this week they're not tea cakes, but something. Oh. So do we need do we need to add potentially a like bullet point on the female serial killer list? What was that? Is this also a female? No, this is a male. This is a male. Oh, okay. Okay. But because I was like, if if it's poison and for money and also turn them into baked goods, like that's going to be, no, seems rather sexist. It, <laughs> no, but you're not going to want to eat anything during this. That's all right. I, I have my big meal for the day already. Thank you, Tono's Pizzeria. If anybody's listening, I'll take a free slice. <laughs> they have gluten-free because I'd take one too. Um, they do. They do. Oh, all right. So this week we are talking about Joseph Roy Mathoni, aka Joe. He was born on uh, March 2nd of 1955. 
it's been said um, that he was neglected as a child and this made him depressed. His father was an alcoholic who was killed in a car accident when he was six years old. And he claims that his mother neglected him and his five siblings, um, but she was actually working. It wasn't that she was neglecting. She, she says, I was working two jobs outside of the house to take care of all of my children. Um, he said that his parents- yeah, often, kids, kids don't know that though. They're just, yeah. they're just here not around. Yeah. Right. But he says his mom often sent him to live with other family members in a foster-like arrangement. His mom says that they were somewhat poor. Again, she had to work really hard. She worked multiple jobs. She was a waitress, a barmaid, a food truck driver because she's providing for her children. But she says, she said, I feel like I provided them a, a fairly normal lifestyle and they never went hungry. She says they were never put into ho any homes of family members like her son, Joe claims. Mm. She says that Joe was really smart and he had a good childhood. And she said, if he was neglect neglected, it was because of his own fault. She said, I believe it was a pretty good home. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't think you can neglect your, I mean, I guess emotionally you can neglect yourself, Yeah. but I don't think the, maybe can, he's just trying to make himself a victim. I don't know. Like, you know, it's kind of a, yeah, he yeah. said, she said situation. We don't know. We weren't there for his childhood. We just know what kind of a person he turned out to be. Fair. So Joe joins the military. He joins the army when he's 17 or in, in seven, ugh, sorry, when he's 18 in 1973. I don't know why that 70 just kept jumping out of me. Um, well, there's a 19, there's an 18, there's a seven in there. There's a lot of numbers. <laughs> His mom said that he served in Germany, although he claims that he served a tour in Vietnam and he became addicted to heroin while over there in an artillery unit. His mom says, I, I don't remember him being in Vietnam, which you would think she would remember that, but. Yeah, I feel like, I feel like that this is another sign of maybe that this guy uh, told a few, uh, few embellishments as they say. Right, right. So his time in service um it it was hard to verify nobody could verify whether he was in germany whether he was in vietnam whether he served at all and america's involvement in vietnam had ended by the time he would have gone over there so did he really serve oh. in vietnam hmm that's a scratcher i mean you know i could dunk in middle school I just <laughs> lost the, i lost the vertical um so joe once he joined the military he kind of withdrew from his mom and they and they kind of went their separate ways she said he just kept drifting further and further away i think the worst thing that ever happened to him was drugs it's a sad sad story so joe Mathoni, um as he's older he becomes known as tiny which is kind of funny why is that always the case the big guys are always called tiny or um they're always like these little the, the names that are like completely opposite like yeah it, it's the, the the ironic nickname yeah you know like smalls who biggie smalls who was not small right you got tiny i think it's yeah. just lazy nicknaming i mean and be honest to be honest like who's giving nicknames more, more <laughs> often than not it is children and children tend to go for the easy out so yeah, yeah. so joe Mathoni, aka tiny was actually six foot one and it was a big he was a big build guy and he was overweight i wish i was tiny <laughs> he 
he had uh, been spending some time in bars and he was living with like uh, like in homeless camps in South Baltimore and he was spending nearly all the money that he made on crack heroin and alcohol he had a steady job though he was a forklift driver and he was actually pretty well liked by people he was described as intelligent well-spoken and very well-mannered well in 1994 joe had a girlfriend that lived with him along with her six-year-old son they all lived together in south baltimore like i said he was a truck driver and this would have him out on the road for long stints long periods of time so during one of these long trips he comes home and his girlfriend and son are gone oh well, like Joe, she had a drug problem. So Joe thought, oh, she's left me for another man. He's furious. He becomes enraged. He spends days looking for them, thinking that they're like living on the streets with this new guy. He checked like halfway houses and he even checked under a bridge that he knows that his girlfriend used to buy and do drugs. So he goes and looks under the bridge. He doesn't find his girlfriend there, but he does find two men who had known her. So he asks them about this girlfriend and they're like, sorry, man, we, we don't know anything. So he's so pissed off. He kills these two men. Oh, okay. That ex- escalated quickly as they say. Uh-huh. Well, immediately after they're under a bridge, there's some water. Apparently there's a fisherman uh, nearby and he's afraid that the fisherman uh, saw what happened. So he kills the fisherman as well. Yeah. So it's been said that these crimes of passion, obviously he's, he's enraged because he's passionate over trying to find his uh, ex-girlfriend. So these crimes of passion, Mm. they've, they've been said to have spawned his drive to kill. He kills all three victims. He tosses them in the river to hide their bodies. He later ends up finding out a spoiler alert, girlfriends moved across town with quote, he says, quote, some asshole uh, that's had her selling her ass for drugs. They got busted and they took my son away from me. Um, for, excuse me. They took my son away from them for neglect and child abuse. Oof. So Joe ends up arrested for the three murders, but no bodies, no evidence. After a year and a half of sitting in jail, he's released. Well, that year and a half did not seem to calm his rage at all. He kills Kathy Ann Magaziner. She's a 39-year-old woman. He buries her body in a shallow grave on the site of the factory where he worked. The body was there. No, the body was there for more than two years. He later claimed- I mean, actually, that's pretty impressive. that That she was there for two years? Yeah, I mean, I figured, like, you buried this at work. You're going to get caught, like, right away. But I guess. Yeah, I know. Uh, it was a shallow grave on the site. So um, he later claims that he had strangled her and then he dug up her skeleton six months later. And he, mm, warning, it's, this is graphic. He claims he put her head okay. in a box and threw it in the trash. I love when you say, warning, this is graphic, because then the graphic part of Adam's brain goes off at a tangent. And whatever you say seems horribly calm in, in comparison. So <laughs> <laughs> that's a very that's a very good tactic. I like it. <laughs> in 1996, Joe Mathoni kills Kimberly Lynn Spicer. So this is 
um, again right after he gets out. So he kills her by stabbing her with a knife. He then kidnaps a woman named Rita Kemper on December 8th of 1996. He kidnaps her and he attempts to sexually assault her. Apparently, he had shared drugs with her in a trailer that he was living in and she refused to have sex with him and she runs out of the trailer. He chases after her. He catches her. He beats her up. He drags her back into the tra- trailer. He like rips her clothes off and he attempts to rape her. Um, Rita Kemper said that he had attempted to murder her saying, I'm going to kill you and bury you in the woods with the other girls. She was able to escape through the window of the trailer and she fled to police officers that were in the area. So now remember he just killed, uh, so he killed Kimberly Lynn Spicer right before he kidnaps uh, Rita Kemper. And so she's Uh buried. So he asks a friend, um, he asks a friend to help. Actually, she hadn't been buried, excuse me. He had her hiding. He asks a friend to help him bury the body of Kimberly Lynn Spicer that he'd been hiding at the factory since he killed her. So the friend is like, uh, yeah, sure, man, I'll help you. And then he goes to the police. <laughs> His friend reports this to Fair. the police on December 15th of 1996. And Joe Mathoni is arrested and he's charged with her murder that same day. The owner of the factory is also arrested and charged with murder. Um, because he's the body was there and they're like hey let's the body cover was there, right so they were yeah. arrested like leaving a christmas party and so Mathoni is arrested for the murder and the owner of the company is arrested as an accessory after the fact because he allegedly got rid of some evidence so once gotcha. he's arrested joe that just starts d- that does uh that does answer the immortal question of how do you make a company holiday party worse ew yeah, well, yeah. You, you get arrested you get arrested so once he's arrested he just starts confessing to these murders like he confesses to kimberly lynn spicer he leads police to her grave he leads police to the grave of of kathy ann uh, magaziner that he had murdered uh, all of her remains um police were able to identify her uh, her skull from dental records he admitted to police that he had killed other people sex workers who were addicted to cocaine and heroin. Those killings also, uh, according to Mathoni, included brutal sexual assaults. He was indicted for the killing of Tony Lynn Ingracia, who was 28, but those charges were dropped because, well, they didn't have enough evidence, which I'll tell you why here in a second. He also claims to have killed three other sex workers along Washington Boulevard in Baltimore, although there's no evidence of those crimes other than his confession, and here is why. So Joe Mathoni, we're going to get a little wacky here, a lot wacky, really. He, again, he's telling police about his crimes. He tells them about what he did with the other victims. He killed them, the sex workers, where they couldn't find the bodies and had no evidence. He killed them. He took them home. He dismembered them, and he stored them in Tupperware in his freezer. What he couldn't fit, he buried at that factory where he worked, where he, him and his boss were arrested. Goodness. So what would he do with the meat in his freezer? 
Well, you see, I would assume like any of us, he just leaves it in there for way too long and forgets about it. No, he would he would ground it up and mix the flesh with pork and with beef and make hamburger patties. He would then cook them and sell them out of a barbecue stand that he had opened up on the side of the road. Oh, no, see, no. Whenever he like, I was, his... uh huh. I was prepared not to eat today, but now I can never eat from a roadside stand. <laughs> yeah, he he said whenever he needed a special meat, he'd pick up another sex worker. He'd pick up more. He was quoted as saying, "The human body tastes very similar to pork. If you mix it together, no one can tell the difference. Hence, why there was no evidence of the crimes." of his murders of the sex workers. All right. So remember the episode of Bones I was talking about where they're all on the plane? Uh-huh. They use that same line that human tastes mostly like pork. Yeah. Almost word I've, for word. I've heard that several times from people that have been known to be... I mean, is that just because pork doesn't really taste like anything? It's always about like what you put on it. I don't know. I don't want to think about it. No, no, let's, moving on, moving on. Sorry. So he's arrested and he's tried in the case of Rita Kemper, the attempted kidnapping, and he's given a sentence of 50 years for kidnapping and attempted sexual assault. He's acquitted of the charge of attempted murder for her. He is, however, sentenced to death for the the murder of Kimberly Lynn Spicer. At his sentencing, he said that he committed the murders because he, quote, enjoyed it and he got a rush and a high out of it. He said, I have no real excuse of why I did it other than I like it. He said, the words I'm sorry will never come out, uh, come out for, they would be a lie. The only thing I feel uh, bad about in any of this is that I didn't get to murder those two mother bleep bleeps I was really after. That, that's my ex my ex-old lady and that bastard she got hooked up with. In uh, August of 1998, he pled guilty to murdering and robbing, robbing, not Robin, robbing um, Kathy Ann Magaziner and prosecutors sought the death penalty in that case. He ended up receiving a sentence of life in prison. His death sentence was actually overturned in 2000 and the sentence for the murder of Kimberly Lynn Spicer was reduced to life without parole. So that means he's serving several life sentences. Joe Mathoney was found unresponsive in his prison cell at the Western Correctional Institution in Cumberland, Maryland on August 5th of 2017. Uh, At 3 p.m., he was pronounced dead shortly thereafter. And there you have it. That is the very gruesome story of the Butcher of Baltimore. I don't even think that's really his nickname. I made it up because it seems very fitting because he's, uh, you know, barbecuing these people. The, the barbecue butcher of Baltimore, yeah. The barbecue butcher of Baltimore. See, we could, we could totally write true crime TV shows. I think so. I think so. It's all about alliteration. That's really what it is. Ugh, how gruesome is that? I mean, tea cakes and now barbecue. We went from I just don't, to the main course. I just don't get, like, even he said it. He's like, man, I really should have got after people I was actually mad at. Yeah, why didn't you, it. dude? I don't get it. That was the whole, that was the, that was what spawned it all was, you know, his rage at her. But why, you know, I mean, I don't want you to hurt anybody, but yeah, you just took this out on completely innocent. People. I was like, you're so mad. You're like, ah, I'm so mad at them, but I don't want to drive across town. <laughs> I'm just going to go to the bridge. 
There you go. Yeah, whatever, whatever's closest. I mean, I they're lucky they're not within two more miles. <laughs> <laughs> they were on the next block, buddy. I tell you. But yeah. yeah. Well, I'm I, I at this point I'm I'm fine. Speaking of the dead, uh, I'm glad that he met a untimely end and uh, was caught before he did too much. And and, and again, it's it makes you wonder like these people don't get caught, they'll just keep going. Yeah, exactly. And that's what police figured, like if he hadn't been caught. But do you think he died from like heart disease? Like, um, and this is a very gruesome thought, but like pork is like high in cholesterol. Like is I mean, maybe I feel like the fact that they didn't say anything means that something happened in the prison. Hmm. And no one was all that upset. Yeah. Yeah, because it was because if they said if he was found unresponsive. Yeah. Like sometimes I sleep real hard and I'm unresponsive. <laughs> that's a very vague statement <laughs> oh but there you go that is the story of the barbecue butcher of baltimore joan Mathoni, and that is the b-side so as i mentioned i had all of these clever uh segues you can't prepared segue out of the, we were talking you can't segue out of the barbecue butcher of baltimore come on i can't i really can't uh although the barbecue butcher of baltimore does sound almost musical uh, like the the butcher of Fleet Street or like right. Sweeney Todd or something. So right. I feel like you could almost turn it into a musical. So I wish I was doing a musical like I did last week with uh, bed knobs and broomsticks. But for four consecutive A sides, we've been talking about fantasy and that area of pop culture. And I wanted to go very far away from that. Uh, and you're like, oh, obviously, Adam, you're going to talk about some drama, something that's serious, because that's the opposite of fantasy. And I was like, no, I'm clearly going to do sci-fi. Uh, so I was, th- <laughs> I was thinking about some of my favorite sci-fi films that we could talk about. And one that kept popping up that I don't feel like gets enough attention, but also I have a very you know, as ever, a personal issue in that the films that led up to this, which right now, as of now, is the the last in a entire series of films that two creators, or especially one creator and animator worked on, uh, this being the last one, if I didn't even realize how the career arc of this particular animator and their storytelling grew and changed almost in step with me growing up Hmm. so when i was a kid i loved disney movies but i didn't love the same ones that everybody else loved i mean everybody loves disney but everyone has their everyone has their favorites but like my favorite one of my favorites was the you know, uh, Sherlock Holmes with, uh, you know, Basil of Baker Street or the Robin Hood where he's a fox or the rescuers I thought were like pretty much superheroes when I was a little kid. Uh, So everyone else loved Disney. They were like Mickey Mouse. I was like, yeah, Basil of Baker Street. People are like, what? (laughs) Is that like the British Mickey Mouse? What are you talking about? Uh, (laughs) What I didn't realize and what I love about doing the research for every one of the A-sides is I usually start out with something I think I know a lot about, I care about, and then I learn so much more Mm -hmm. about it than I ever knew before. And then I find either ways that I love it more or it ruins it completely. This, uh, it very rarely ruins it completely. Nine times out of 10, uh, it will be better. The only one that it's really made, like for some reason, and it, it is 
not something I remotely cared about before I did research, but we talked about Fate the Wink Saga a couple oh, yeah. episodes ago. Yeah. And how they got rid of all the technology in it because mm-hmm. it was like future tech future mm-hmm. in the cartoon, which I never knew about. And I enjoyed the show just fine without. But for some reason, not knowing that, but now I know that, it still bugs me, which makes no sense whatsoever. It is like information that doesn't really change, shouldn't change my enjoyment, but it does annoy me. Yeah. Uh, this one, however, the more I learned about it, the more I connected with it and realized that how much of Don Bluth's work mirrored my own you know, timeline of adulthood. Uh, so Don Bluth started out as a animator, you know, he's a film director. He was at Disney in his uh, early days. Uh, he was an animator on the Robin Hood, where they're all animals. Uh, he was on Winnie Pooh. Uh, he was inv- invest, uh, involved in the Rescuers, and as well as probably the natural progression from Mary Poppins to Bedknobs and Broomsticks, where they took you know the same idea of of this magical lady, but then adding more serious things, and then a couple years later, Pete's Dragon comes out, which again we could do an entire. I probably should do an entire segment on Pete's Dragon where there's so Please much of that. Is so I much... love that movie. Oh my gosh. But there are, there are themes in it that are so much seriouser, or seriouser, so much more serious than I as a kid even realized. Uh, it is, there, there are some, there's some big things that Pete's got to deal with there. And even the idea of Pete's Dragon and why Pete's Dragon exists, why he leaves when he's by, by the end, because he doesn't need him anymore and how this is almost psychological in a way. Mm-hmm. Is amazing. Uh, I had no idea that Don Bluth was connected with Robin Hood or the Rescuers. I mean, it makes sense that he was, you know, came from Disney. But what I knew him for were his own films. And the idea that seeing a Don Bluth film for me was almost as exciting as, you know, a Steven Spielberg movie or George Lucas, or probably more exciting at that age. Because his first, uh, one of his first animated films, or one of the he was known for early on, came out in 1982 so at the age of one the secret of nim which i've watched way too many times took at least 15 years to truly understand what was happening mm-hmm. and then another one of his was when i was five american tale which Fievel. i still a fievel and fievel goes west man my mom sang me songs from sound of music and mary poppins to go to sleep but american tale was also on there and i still swear that there are no cats in america is the precursor to modern political discourse because we're just going to tell you stuff that is propaganda and clearly not true, but it's got a catchy tune, so you're going to believe it, and it prays to your hopes and dreams. Uh, then he went on to do, America. which is just basically uh, it's it's uh, West Side Story. It's so good. Uh, then he went on to do Land Before Time in 1998, All Dogs Go to Heaven in 1989, which I was one of the many reasons that I was insistent that we should get a dog when I was a kid. And then a little bit later, uh, when I was 16 years old, uh, Don Bluth animation provided a a princess for me to fall in love with, with Anastasia, which is one of my favorite films. And who also has an appearance by last week's uh, subject of the A-side, Angela Lansbury, as the the Dowager princess the the, the the mother or the grandmother of Anastasia who shows up at the beginning and sort of serves as the narrator and then the last Don Bluth animation movie came out when I was 19 years old and it starred a you know 
amazing cast, honestly, for the time. It was about, it was a space adventure about a young boy making his way into the world and finding his way, just as I myself, a 19-year-old, am trying to make my way in the world and find my own story. And that's why I loved America, or I, I loved a Titan AE when it came. But the fact that every one of his movies connected in a way thematically and with a content it almost feels like as I grew up, the stories got more and more mature. And Titan AE, which came out in 2000, is often blamed for the downfall of what was then Fox Animation Studios. And it came out, the company folded 10 days after it came out. And so immediately Ooh. everyone was like, well, this was the movie that killed. Now, in my research, I have found varying reports that that is highly overblown it was a cause and effect like people see a and b so that must mean c uh but it was more that fox animation was on its way out and this was they were about to lay everybody off because mm -hmm. they didn't have any scripts to do movies and they didn't do anything between you know like 97 and 2000 when the movie came so they were hurt for a script and they found this script and brought it to Don Bluth and his partner, Gary Goldman, and said, hey, do you want to do it? We need to do this. We'll probably close down the studio. Mm -hmm. So we've got a chicken or the egg scenario. Did Titan AE and it's, you know, reaching for a new style, almost, you know, people would compare it to almost an American attempt at anime, which was, you know, cartoons for an older audience where it was more about an antiquated idea that cartoons could only be for children. I mean, at this point, Simpsons is only four or five, six years old, maybe seven years old, and still an enigma. And South Park is just getting its footing. So the idea of animation that wasn't for the 12 or 10 and under, you know, crowd was kind of strange and even disney was doing it but they were still you know they were getting huge results but it was all very family friendly fair to do something that was a little grittier was different and had a it, one of the things that drew me to it the grunge rock uh late 90s early 2000s soundtrack uh was super exciting and it had an amazing cast as i mentioned you've got matt damon as the lead bill pullman john Leguizamo, nathan lane janine garofalo drew barrymore that is a pretty awesome cast of just voices. Uh, it mm -hmm. was mentioned to be a, a live action film at one point, uh, but couldn't get the funding. And they thought maybe we could do this better as an animation project because that is a little bit different in terms of scale. Uh, it also had uh, Ron Perlman as uh, one of the main characters' father, Tone Loke, Jim Brewer. It was a huge, awesome voice cast. And it was so perfect for me as a late teenager, early adult, to have an adventure story that seemed to be bridging all those animation films that I'd watched earlier and bringing into a new era. It mixed medias. You had many of the backgrounds were digitally animated, but then the main characters themselves and some of the most important other objects within the universe were drawn more traditionally. Mm -hmm. So you had this mix of new and old animation. And it's a wonderful adventure story which shows some of the things that you could do at that time with animation that you couldn't do with CGI in the same way. Uh, the opening sequence where you've got uh, the, the lead character, Kale Tucker, which Kale, back at that time, just was a cool space guy's name. It wasn't a thing we ate. We didn't know about Kale yet. 
It was it was a cool name. Now it's not his fault that it turned into a salad that no one wants to eat. Uh, but he, he's flying around outer space, and you meet this wonderful like cast of you know characters, and it's almost this sort of Treasure Island feel to it. Where and then you've got Planet Treasure Island came out around that same time, within a few years as well. You've got you know this young person who maybe has got the key the MacGuffin that break you know can stop this interstellar war and there was a backstory about being abandoned by your father and you know there were a lot of things that critics were like oh this is this is way this is way too you know familiar it's very too close to Star Wars and then like you look at Star Wars you're like yeah but Star Wars was just like this other story and it, all the stories have similar elements so saying it's not completely unique unless we're doing something like the, the show that on Netflix last year uh, with the guys with the triangle faces masks. Squid Game. Um, Squid Game. That was that was pretty unique, but I guess you could also say that was just double dare with consequences. <laughs> true. Very true. Uh, it didn't get a lot of attention, and it bombed in and that it wasn't a huge critical success, but it's hard to say something wasn't a huge critical and monetary success when the company that it, you know, that birthed it, that launched it, did no, virtually no advertising and went out of business 10 days after it opened. Uh, so my opinion is that Titan A is not the film that killed Fox Studios or Fox Animation Studios, but it is the film that Fox Animation Studios kind of kicked out of the nest at the very end, right before the entire nest went up in flames. It uh, doesn't get a lot of uh, attention. It didn't do well in theaters. However, it is a lot of fun. And if you are somebody like me, who's from the late, you know, kind of came to fruition or adulthood in the late 90s, early 2000s, uh, the grunge soundtrack was something totally different that felt like it was in outer space. It has really unique visuals. It is way more, the characters are more developed and there's more edges and there's more depth than you expect from a cartoon of that era. And it is something that I really wish was available to stream for free. <laughs> but after so four you weeks- you brought us another one films, that we have to pay for. I did. Uh, this is only available to rent on uh, Vudu, iTunes, Google Play, or Amazon for $3.99, or you can find a DVD on <laughs> Amazon. Uh, but we will link to the trailer on the website to check it out. Uh, it is a lot of fun. I love the mixed media part of traditional animation and digital animation. And the voice acting is so amazing. I wish, honestly, that they could have done the movie with these live action actors as well. Because I think it would have been a really fun movie to do. Mm -hmm. But you can't, could never afford to do the visuals. Could never afford to do the level of just amazing possible outer space ideas and things for the same cost uh, in live action. And that is the beauty of the film. Yes, is it perfect? No, do you see Do you see some of the, you know, plot points coming? Sure. Is there a love story that probably doesn't need to be in there? Yes, it's a movie, but it is a lot of fun. The soundtrack is bopping, I think, as the kids would say. Or, no, no, it's fire. Uh, it's a soundtrack bop. is fire. It's not bopping, it's a bop. It's a bop. It, oh God, I'm so old uh, but I mean you've got I'm going like these names are only going to matter to people who were in high school between 1996 and 2003 but 
the soundtrack, which I love soundtracks, uh, of course, it was originally released on audio cassette in June of 2000, but it had artists like Lit, Power Man 5000s, Fun Loving Criminals, The Urge, Jamiroquai, Luscious Jackson, all very fun uh, bands, and they do a great soundtrack, which adds to the classical score, right? Like, you're like, wait a second, I know that. A uh, lot of fun. It is the type of movie that if you have not seen time or you have, you know, tweens or, you know, teenagers that you're going to sit down for a family movie night, but you might have a younger sibling or two that is a little bit younger and you don't want to have something that is too realistic or too gory. This is a great sort of family movie that can meet the needs of different generations and be a lot of fun. And I I'm happy that it reminded me of how much Don Bluth's career seemed to, and its maturation over time seemed to match my own. And it also means that I'm going to watch a lot of Don Bluth films in the next week. And I really hope that some of them are string because the Amazon guy and I, we don't know each other that well, but we spend way too much time texting back and forth about my messages. <laughs> You've become very well acquainted. Yeah. And luckily in my building, we have one of those things where they just put it in a locker and then I go down and get it. So we never have to meet face to face. So maybe this is uh, Adam's own version of Love is Blind. <laughs> oh, man. I'm here. I'm, I know you are. You're always here for me. No, sir, your package is downstairs. <laughs> Oh, that's good. That's good. All right. Um... <laughs> yeah, so uh, Titan you can't stream it for free. You're going to have to rent it or find a DVD online. Uh, there were also uh, a series of books, of short novels, young adult novels that were released around the time that I never knew about, which I have on the way from Amazon. So once I finish those, uh, just let me know and I'll just pass them on because they give even more depth to the story of what was happening. Uh, it's got a 50% rating on the, the tomato meter. The audience score is just a little bit higher, but I think it gets a lot of flack for being the excuse of why there are no more Don Bluth animation movies uh, rather than being the you know most mature and most advanced storytelling and also creative outlet that they had before their studio uh, went kaput. Okay, awesome. And that is the A-side. That's the A-side. All right, Adam. Well, as you know, it's getting colder, which means maybe you need a blanket. Guess what? We've got them on our website. <laughs> oh, we got sweatshirts. You need one? We got them on our website. <laughs> I love how my dog is literally sitting on my bed right now, pouting, looking at me like, get me a blanket. Why didn't you get me a blanket yet? I'm sitting over here. Oh, yep. She's giving me that look. It's either I wish to go outside where it's not freezing or I would like a blanket. I'm going to choose that it's go that she wants a blanket. I'm going to go to a side b side podcast.square.site and check out our merch. And then you can also download all of our former episodes. You can subscribe to us on all of the different uh, mediums. Even if you don't ever use a Spotify or Stitcher, you have a preferred one, uh, it still helps us out if you subscribe. Uh, so if you want to swing by and just click on that, that would be awesome. Uh, feedback is always welcome. Mm -hmm. uh, if you blame Titan AE for shooting down the Fox Animation Studios and you'd like to have a text argument with me, or if you're worried that I'm texting the Amazon Get Delivery Guy too much, just uh, shoot us a message and we'll go from there. You can buy Brooke a coffee at buyusacoffee.com. 
the, the tag is A Side B Side Podcast. That always helps with editing and also putting up with uh, Adam's schedule, which is weird uh, because I'll just be like, hey, we should do this on a Tuesday. Brooke's like, no, I have a life. Leave me alone. <laughs> uh, so she, she needs coffee to like, you know, deal with that. Uh, what did I miss, Brooke? No, you got it. You got it. I did go on several tangents and at least one cul-de-sac. So uh we'll we'll try to work on slowing that down in the future all right there you go that's episode 113 thank you so much thanks adam thank you brooke